value and the beauty is harnessing the intellect of people that can help grow. All the great ideas come from the people that are swinging the hammer and doing the work. They never come from all of us that sit in the corner office. KCF Technologies presents Industrial Transformation, stories of failure and success from the front lines of American manufacturing. Welcome back to the Industrial Transformation Podcast. This is Jeremy Frank, and I had the great pleasure of talking with Buddy Peterson, who is very well known in the oil and gas industry, upstream especially, after a, a long career with Halliburton and in his current role as Chief Operating Officer at FTS International. And you'll hear Buddy talk about uh, putting some of his work in, in industrial transformation in the context of what would be a, a minister's three-part sermon. And I'll just add to that, you know, what to listen for here is really when you look at what Buddy Peterson and what FTS have achieved, there are really three ingredients that are, that are a part of this industrial transformation story. Number one, you have to have a visionary at the organizational level who understands that there's a problem that can be fixed, someone who can articulate the need and the vision. Number two, you have to have a capable provider which in this case was my company, KCF Technologies, and our people in the field especially. And then number three, I, I think probably the most important and certainly the most compelling and interesting stories that Buddy shares are the people, the workers who actually change and improve and get the job done. They have to be ready and willing to embrace change and follow that vision. And the outcomes that Buddy describes are, are just truly unbelievable. So I, I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation. Can you tell us just a little bit about FTS and what you've been doing for the last five years? Really, all in all, we've been hyper-focused on this utilization piece, you know, kind of on the, on the loose terms. In 2015, just kind of as a data point, we used to average pumping about 10 and a half to 12 hours a day on a good day four and a half stages a day. And currently today, we're pumping somewhere in the range between 17 to 21 hours a day. And that's pumping hours in a 24-hour period. So you can see that the efficiencies have you know, changed tremendously since 2015 to 2020. How, how different would you say? Is that common across the entire industry? Or is that something that's unique to FTS or a little bit of both? You know, it's a combination of both. I, I think, Jeremy, I, I, would, I would like to stand up and beat my chest and say it's all about what we've done and how hard we've pushed and all the great things that KCF has helped us along the way. But I, I think that would be a little um, one-sided. I mean, the beautiful part about our industry is because of the ups and downs and the massive swings that we have both from a commodity price, from our Exxon and our XTO and some of the other customers that we have, we, we are forced to be better, faster, stronger. And, and therefore, because of that, all the service companies have had to move in that direction. But the reality of our efficiencies are a combination of what we've done, what we've put in place, the hard work that our men and women in the field do every day, as well as our customers requiring that uh, to be able to provide you know, oil and gas for America. Yeah, I'm just I'm doing the math quickly, you know, for anybody that's listening and is trying to do the same math I am. If you you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. If you go from 12 to 21 hours of active productive operational time, unless I'm doing the math wrong, I mean, that's that's eliminating 75% of the non-productive time in a pretty short amount of time. I mean, that's a that's a pretty remarkable achievement. 
I would say. Absolutely. You know, one, one of the other things that we're super proud of as well is that we, you talk about that non-productive time, even in that 12 hour period of pumping in the, in the early parts of 2015, the job design itself in terms of the total hours or minutes of what the customer asks us to do on a per stage basis hasn't changed, but 5% over that time. So it's still roughly two hours of pumping and how many times can you repeat and manufacture and redo that on location with limited amount of NPT? And that, that's what we're really the most proud of. Because yeah. if, yeah. if you think about what that says is, you know, we not only have we eliminated 75% of the NPT, but we've also increased the speed and the rate in which those companies can deliver oil and gas to America. What's remarkable is that you, you're incident rate levels are far lower than they are in much more benign industries. It's just, it's just remarkable. What, one, of the, one of the last things I, I, I kind of want to brag a little bit about our South Texas district. They have gone three complete calendar years and over three million man hours worked with zero incidents. And let me put that in context for some of the other, that, that is a business that's made up of 400 knuckle-dragging mavericks that work 12-hour shifts, that travel approximately 118 miles one way a day in a crew van, that work 14 days on and take seven days off in the snow, not very much in South Texas, a little bit of rain, not very much, lots and lots of heat, lots of adverse conditions, and they've managed to do it three years in a row without an incident. And that is remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. What I find so inspiring about it is that it's, you know, just as we talked about with the, you know, increasing the pump life and reducing the downtime, improving the safety, these same things are, are more achievable than I think most believe that they are for other, you know, I, I, th I think other industries can have as dramatic of improvements in their safety record, at least as much as it relates to their machinery and their culture, how they, how they treat each other, how they treat things. So yeah, it's just a, it's a great showcase of what's possible. Just to pull up, if you look big picture, so you've talked about, I mean, you, you basically have talked about eliminating 75% of the non-productive time, eliminating, I mean, basically nearly all of, of recordable safety incidents, increasing the equipment life by between three and four times, if I'm doing the math right. You are. Uh, how do you, you know, people always want to know economic impact, you know, the People want to do a financial analysis and, and look at the economic impact. How do you how do you answer that question? If somebody says, "How do you measure the impact of this economically?" Well, so there's so there's, there's a couple of ways that I can answer it. I, I mean, the first is it's in the hundreds and millions of dollars of savings, right? I mean, that that's the pretty that, that's the easy short math to do, and we can back that up a million ways. But one of the other things that I that I want to I want to share with the audience as well is when we started the organization, the, the restructure, the remodel, the, the revamp, the, the regrowth. Prior to this relationship with KCF, we, we were burdened with a company that had $1.2 or $1 billion worth of debt. Up until the middle of last summer, we were able to pay back through cash and free cash flow all but $500 million in that debt. During the course of that run-up, during the course of that time in the market, we were able to IPO. And during that IPO, we took proceeds of $300 million. So if you, if you just do the math on the back of the napkin... And think about the hundreds of millions of dollars of impact that we were able to save and pay down debt 
that that's the most remarkable part of this KCF story, this KCF relationship, this transformation inside what can be done. What are, what are all the possibilities? Now there are some bumps along the way. There are some, there, there are some dollars and cents and value that go far beyond those numbers. Someone else will achieve after I'm long gone and dead based on what we were able to do here. But that's how we think about it inside the organization. Yeah, I appreciate that. If I may, I mean, I'm just, I'm really actually just genuinely interested to ask how you describe this, but, you know, you, so go back to 2015, 2016, FTS, was it kind of this time when those, those three ingredients were making the right time to change? But what, what if we didn't come along? Like what, how, what do you think is, is, I don't know, special or, or was the enabler that you saw from my company that, that, I don't know, fast track these things or helped you do it? Well, the, the single biggest, well, I, it, it's hard to say single, Jeremy, because that, that, that would say that the KCF organization, I, I think three, again, here we're back to the three things again. You, you believed in your product probably more so than even I believed in it at the beginning. So let's start there. And, and when someone has that overwhelming conviction and, and then you add a sales leader like you had with Ben, it creates, it creates its own wake. So, so let's start with that. So, so KCF in 2015 and 2016 believed without a shadow of a doubt that they could change my business and change the industry. Still believe that today, by the way. The second thing that happened is you had enough vision and enough foresight and enough belief in this relationship that you took a chance with a young engineer from Penn State and you put Blake in my office. Now, make no mistake, it could have been any of the 25 other young engineers that you had, but somehow, some way, Blake had the right chemistry and fell in line with myself and with Jamie, our operations manager at the time. And there was some level of dynamic chemistry that is almost unexplainable, but he, he believed in the product, he believed in our business, and we would continue to push one another from 6.30 in the morning until 7 or 8 o'clock at night, all day, every day, even on weekends about what we could do, what we couldn't do. There was this level of excitement, this level of enthusiasm that he brought to the team and to the organization. And then the third piece of the puzzle is no matter, no matter what happened, no matter what the outcomes were, everybody inside the KCF organization was willing to move to the next step, fix it change it, get new batteries, you know, adapt, innovate, write new software, get new software, try, try to figure out how to make the organization, how to make my organization better through your own intellectual curiosity. So what's happening now from your point of view, what's happening next in you know, the, the, because in addition, you know, doing the, a lot of what we've talked about happened between 2016 and 2018 or 19, you know, and, you know, having this operations center, I've, we have companies today that talk about the hypothetical, you know, having a centralized operations center where you have a team that's looking at all of your operations and equipment and making real-time decisions. And you and I both know you were doing that in 2018, <laughs> but so much has happened since then. And, and now what can you share with us about what, FTS is doing now and, and what you find most exciting? Well, I, I am absolutely excited about automation. And we, we, we throw that term around all the time about automation. I, I mean, our, our, the number one, the highest priority, the, the forefront of all of the meetings behind the safety component of our business is MIQ. And, and it's the machine learning that's going to get us, that, that's 
going to provide my folks on location and my customers on location the ability to make a change with the equipment in milliseconds compared to minutes. And let me just pause, buddy, to MIQ for the listener is a it's a KCF software package uh, called Machine IQ that monitors the health of machinery, provides predictive uh, diagnostics and analytics in real time based on a you know whole a whole body of work with um, you know machine learning and, and AI that's led to algorithms that are that are fielded today. That's what that's what we're talking about. And and so those algorithms and all of that learning we have been gathering and and moving towards from the very beginning. It it didn't take very long. I, I would love to tell the story that I was able to see, you know, this digitalization, this automation from the very beginning, from the moment I sat in the EQT office, but I didn't see it at the time. But it didn't take very much longer once we recognized what all these signatures and, and what giving all of our equipment a voice would do in, in the long term. So let's fast forward five years to currently where we are today as we think about what this automation is going to wind up doing and, and what we call the load balancing. And, and really for the listeners, you know, you, you've heard me talk about we've moved the needle from efficiency. We've eliminated 75% of, of non-productive time from before. Well, the next big step is to be able to make changes on location real time to move it from minutes to milliseconds. That's not going to push the needle because we're all bound by time and space. This 24-hour, you know, we haven't figured out a way to engineer around the 24-hour time clock, but that's really what we're up against. We don't believe that that this automation piece is going to move us that much more efficient as it relates to time. But what it will do is it will free up so many more resources, brain cells, and brain power on location that normally we're focused in on taking care of changing pumps, moving gears, switching gears, any, any part of the system that hasn't been automated. And it'll allow them to evaluate the job and evaluate what's really going on, the health of the equipment, real time with data while this is doing the other, the monitoring piece of, of the rate and pressure. It's such a fascinating dynamic of this whole industrial transformation that we, you know, you, from the worker side of things, not so much from the company and the leadership, but people think that the technology is going to change their job or take their job or they, you know, cause companies to downsize. But the, the overarching message or the story is just such the opposite. It's exactly what you described. We see it all the time. It just, what people I think don't realize until they see it is that nobody benefits when a pump blows up, you know, nobody benefits from doing a, a dangerous job that causes a problem. And so when you when you can leverage technology to solve the problems, what happens is the people all elevate their skill set and they become more productive and more focused and safer and it that's what makes it so fun from my point of view is I I just see that and it when people what it's so what's so amazing is when you see the workers really like like the the group in um South Texas that you mentioned is one of the best. You see the teams and I mean you've seen this so much more than I have because you've actually done it. You've led it. Isn't it fun when you see people like truly embracing the technology and just elevating what they do and the way they see themselves? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, if if you as a leader of men or a manager in any company, in any part of this industrial transformation, and you're not absolutely geeked about watching your people get better, I, look, I, I think you need to check out and go do something else. The, the thought in my mind is the technology application gives you the ability to free and release the actual potential of all of the people that you have working for you. And if you can't get excited about that, then it's just another 
you know, meeting brief. It's just another dashboard that you have to look at. It's just another piece of technology that you either have to do some ROI calculation for that becomes, you know, whatever, a KPI benchmark, which becomes a, you know, a, a some, some sort of financial metric that's on your scorecard that you think about on a quarterly basis for the board and the board deck and the stock market. You know, what a travesty that all is. Because the value and the beauty is harnessing the intellect of people that can help grow. All the great ideas come from the people that are swinging the hammer and doing the work. They never come from, you know, all of us that sit in the corner office. The, the, the one thing that I love to say the most, and I believe, and, and I'll shout it till I die, when I sit in my office in downtown Fort Worth, Texas, I cannot see one single frack location, one single wellhead here. Therefore, I am exponentially dumber the more I sit here, the further away I am from the wellhead, because all of the lessons learned happen there, whether that's on the manufacturing floor, whether that's on location, whether that's sitting on a CNC machine, running a lay, I mean, any of that. Yeah, I totally agree. And when you, you know, there's just such a convergence with some of the best run manufacturing companies, you know, you're like the, the lean companies like Toyota being probably the most notable it's so philosophically aligned with the way they see it, you know, going to the Gemba, being at the front lines, because that's where the innovation comes from. What I think people are realizing, I mean, not, <laughs> I guess about 8% of, of people are realizing that, that that's exactly what happens is you, you elevate because you're bringing, you're connecting those dots. You're, the people who are out experiencing and learning and noticing things are able to actually internalize and connect the dots and do something with it because they're not just trying to, you know, stay safe and, and put out, you know, fires and explosions. And, and, you know, unexpected failures of machinery. I, I think I'd like to take a, take a walk down memory lane just to kind of let the audience understand what this relationship has really been like. And, and I think what, what is possible, not just inside upstream oil and gas, but across the, the entire manufacturing process or across the entire nation, to, to be honest. If you haven't had an opportunity to engage with the KCF team at a, at a level other than just kind of a superficial, maybe trade a few emails or listen to a presentation, I, I think you're, you're missing out on a really unique opportunity. And I, hopefully this won't make you blush too much, Jeremy. But, but the challenge really is, in my career, I, I'm an old gray-haired guy. I've, I've been in the business a long time. And I can't think of one single relationship, business or otherwise, that has challenged me more intellectually, challenged me more personally, financially, has provided this much encouragement, this much belief in, in a product, in an industry, in America. And, and I don't mean to sound trite. I don't want it to sound gushy. But what KCF has managed to do for FTS is provide a partnership that is real and authentic. We've, we've saved a tremendous amount of money. We've advanced technology. We've grown our people. We've shared in the struggles. We've shared in, in the challenges. But at every turn, KCF has always been there. KCF has always led the way. They've always challenged and pushed forward. And look, I, I can't speak highly enough about Jeremy and the team on what you guys have done for me personally, as well as for our organization collectively, the industry, as well as, look, America. I mean, you guys have made a gigantic change for us, which has impacted the price of oil, Im impacted all, all the things that go along with that. So number one, I want to say thank you for that. 
Well, I appreciate that, buddy. And that does, it doesn't make me blush, but it does bring tears to my eyes because I'm just, I'm so proud of it. I'm just so proud of what, uh, what's been accomplished and it's your accomplishments, but just the way you described our role in it, uh, just uh, makes me really proud. You should be, you absolutely should be. Well, to wrap up, I, I really truly enjoyed this conversation with Buddy Peterson of FTS International. Just as a recap, I mean, what, what we've listened to here is just some unbelievable stories as far as outcomes from industrial transformation. We're you know, almost completely eliminated recordable incident rates across all of their operations. And in one case, three full years with zero safety incidents in the field. It's just, it's just a, a really Im- impressive impact and just something to be proud of. It's just, this is important stuff. And, you know, on top of that, tripling, quadrupling the life of the equipment, eliminating a ton of waste in the process, while at the same time, eliminating the majority of of downtime. It's just, these are the things that are possible. And thanks so much to, to Buddy for sharing this conversation with us. I hope you have enjoyed the dialogue. And this is once again, the Industrial Transformation Podcast. And I'm Jeremy Frank.